Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, thank you so much, Randy, and welcome to the all-new Study the Word Podcast. And uh, it is a delight to have you with us wherever you may be listening today. If you have your Bible with you, uh, whether it be a actual Bible, uh, you know, kind of the old school book itself, or you have it on your phone, whatever the case may be, I want to encourage you right now uh, to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 15. Romans, chapter 15. Uh, this has been on my heart for some time as far as doing this type of podcast where we open God's Word and we dive deep into the Scriptures. We take the time uh, to look at words and and kind of learn together uh, what a passage is all about, the context. Uh, we'll, we'll do different things here on this podcast. Sometimes our topics will be topical. Other times we'll go verse by verse. But uh, whatever we do as we study together, that's the key. Uh, we want to grow. We want to become all that God wants us to be, and that ultimately is like his son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 15, if you're there, look with me, if you would, today at verse 4. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. I've been using that uh, translation for many, many years and uh, whatever translation you're using, uh, I'm sure is absolutely adequate, but it may be a little different, but it shouldn't be that much different. But if you look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4, here's what it says. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let me repeat that again. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and an encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I mean, if you look at this verse here, uh, again, in its context, you have to understand that Paul is writing to believers, Gentile believers in Rome. Uh, He is um, reminding them uh, about Christ and who Christ is and the importance of Christ um, in his life and his ministry. But what he's trying to do ultimately is give instruction to the believers at Rome. And so in here, in this first verse here, we see two things that are very important. First of all, we gain that uh, believers need to be instructed. Through the Scriptures is where we gain our instruction. You know, there is today, unfortunately but true, um, a mindset that we don't need to spend as much time uh, or that much time in the Word of God. I remember throughout the years I would hear different people say, you know, when it comes to studying the Scriptures, that's the pastor's thing. That's what we pay the pastor for. He is to be the expert. We are not, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to spend that much time in the Word of God. He has to. But folks, uh, that's not true at all. Uh, what we need to be doing as believers is we need to be studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. I am sure that along the way you have heard those words that Paul once penned uh, to the young pastor by the name of Timothy, telling him that, you know, we are responsible, we are held accountable before God to be diligent 
in studying his word. And again, that passage comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, because in a world in which we live, we really truly have to be prepared, but we want to be approved by God. Uh, we want to rightly divide the word of truth. We want to know what we believe and why we believe it. But it's through the Scripture that we gain instruction. It's through the Word of God that we learn uh, what God wants from us as believers. Uh, somebody not too long ago said to me, I want to just become more and more like Jesus. What would you recommend? Well, I would recommend that you open God's Word and study God's Word. Spend time in God's Word. Be diligent about it, because that's where we gain our instruction. That's where we begin to learn. We begin to grow. Uh, we, we begin to know the truth that sets us free. Uh, I remember in the book of John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, uh, Jesus, he was dealing with some folks who had just believed in him, and he made it clear that if they continue in his word, that they would know the truth, and the truth would set them free. But also, if they continued in his word or abided in his word, and again, it's John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, that if you abide in his word, then truly you are a disciple of mine, Jesus said. So the key is that you are really a disciple of Jesus Christ if you continue in the word of God. And then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, there's a lot of things that people believe that are just not biblically true, not biblically accurate. So by taking time to study the Word of God and being in the Word of God, we learn, we grow, we're set free uh, from the lies and from the teachings that have been inaccurate over the years. And sometimes it's it's done on purpose by false teachers who are being used by the devil himself, and other times it's by someone in ignorance who is teaching something that just is not biblically true. So again, the first thing we learn here from Romans 15, verse 4, that what was written in earlier times, and, and we have to understand that would be considered the Old Testament, which again, I think is kind of interesting because there are a lot of people today who don't want to study the Old Testament. All they want to do is stick on the New Testament. They, they really don't believe that the Old Testament has any value to them because it's the Old Testament. It was during those old days of the biblical times, and, you know, things have changed, and we got to go right to the scene of Jesus. But really, we need to take and look at the Word of God from the Old Testament. And those people and the places and the things and the children of Israel, things that took place, because once again, we learn from them. We learn from them and what they did and what they did not do. And it is helpful for us as we uh, are believers to live a life that is ultimately going to be pleasing unto God. And I cannot stress this enough. When we are in the Word of God and we are studying together, we learn from those who went before us. We learn from those who are examples um, before us. And, and sometimes, again, we, we just don't understand that enough. But the Bible tells us in many different places that what was written before was written so that we don't follow and do the same things that they did at one time, that we would actually learn uh, to not, you know, find ourselves in falling into sin and doing things that at one time like the children of Israel did. And, uh, you know, matter of fact, Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, um, he really stresses this stuff that, you know, from us studying what they have done 
and what they did that was against God, um, we learn from that so that we don't do the same thing. So we don't find ourselves sinning against God, and obviously God's hand of discipline would be upon us because we are not doing what God wants us to do. But at the same time, we could also learn, uh, as we study the Old Testament, we can learn from them of the things that they did do, the things that were um, pleasing to God, the things that God was uh, uh, you know, happy with. God uh, really was uh, appeased by what they offered in their offerings and how they worshiped him and how they obeyed him in his commands. And the list goes on. We can actually learn uh, from studying the Word of God, uh, of what they went through. And uh, so I, I cannot stress this enough. When it comes to the Word of God, uh, we gain instruction, instruction for the life in which God wants us to live, which ultimately we are to live by the power and the presence of His Holy Spirit. But our guide is the Word of God. But it also tells us here that we are expected to persevere, it says here, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance. Now, I want you to think about that, perseverance. If we're going to persevere, it kind of gives us a picture that there's going to be difficult times ahead of us. Uh, there have been people who have fallen into the trap of believing that once you become a Christian— Life is going to be grand all the time. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be like Dorothy and Toto going down the yellow brick road and just singing and, you know, dancing kind of and, you know, just, you know, kind of having fun and joy. Everything's going to be great. Uh, and that's not the case. I mean, the truth of the matter is, when I personally could say when I became a Christian, life became much more difficult. Uh, because I began to realize that the world around me, the things of the world, the things that the world did, the things that I once did, as I was a part of the world, was no longer. And I realized I was kind of the oddball, the, the man out. And so you come underneath persecution. You find yourself, when you want to do the right things, the good things, the things that are of God, um, you're going to be persecuted. Not everybody is going to be glad that, quote-unquote, you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So it's not going to be uh, that Dorothy and Toto experience on the Yellow Brick Road and just everything is always going to be grander. But there are times that we're going to have to, through this life, from point A to point B, once we truly have trusted in Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone, that we are going to have to persevere, which means difficult times are coming, very difficult times for some people. And in this world, again, Jesus said, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for he is what? He has overcome this world. But there are certain passages of Scripture that always come to mind when I, I think about the reality of the difficulties in which we will face and we live here in this world. For instance, it tells us in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So again here, um, we're blessed when we persevere under trial. But what is ahead of us is really the key. We are going to receive the crown of life, that promise that God gave to us for those of us who have put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And it comes from God who cannot and he does not lie. 
because he can't lie, because he's God, he's holy, he's truthful, he's pure, he's without darkness. There's no sin in God. God makes no mistakes. He never, he never uh, does something that is wrong. God is perfect, and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on here in this teaching. But I also think about, how about, as I mentioned earlier, those who've went before us and the things that they have done. Think about this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every incumbents, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I I think about these verses right here, and I realize something. First of all, some people have believed that up in heaven, that it's kind of like we're in the arena of the world, and everybody up in heaven is looking down from the seats in heaven upon us and what's happening to us. And I, I don't believe that Scripture teaches that in any way, shape, or form. But I think what the the Scripture is telling us here, that there is a great cloud of witnesses um, surrounding us. In other words, up in the heavens, there are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are the witnesses who can testify to the fact and the reality of what God has done in their life as they have put their faith, their trust in him as they have believed in his promises, if they have trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation— They are the great cloud of witnesses. These witnesses can testify and bring a testimony that's powerful. As a matter of fact, we read about their lives uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is the great hall of faith. And if you ever take the time and study through that, you will read about the men and the women who went before us and the faith that they had in God. They are the great cloud of witnesses. And because we have the examples in the Word of God. See, this is why studying the Old Testament becomes important, because they are the examples that we are to follow. They are the testimony. They have a testimony of what God did. God was faithful. God was with them. As a matter of fact, I love what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As you read about all this, it comes to the very end, and it tells us that in verse 39 of chapter 11, and all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, but because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So, so you here you have, they, they had not experienced what others had experienced yet, and that was the presence and the incarnation where Jesus himself stepped out of heaven took upon himself the flesh of man and walked among his people. He, he walked the face of the earth, uh, the God-man. Uh, they, they had faith and they trusted God, but they looked forward to that day, that time period, when their Savior, when their Redeemer would come. But they had not had received what was promised yet. But because here Paul's writing to uh, the Hebrews 
who were believers here, he's telling them, you've already received that promise. He has been before us. Matter of fact, what's great about the book of Hebrews, and I would encourage you to study the book of Hebrews if you have not, um, it is really in-depth. There's a lot to it, but it just focuses upon Christ Jesus himself and who he truly is and what he has done and the fact that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And um, we could go on and on, but there is so much that is there uh, to study in the book of Hebrews about Jesus Christ. I remember a man once talking about that he did a series verse by verse through the book of Hebrews. And within the first year, there were dozens upon dozens who made professions of faith, who truly put their faith and their trust of Jesus Christ uh, as their Lord and Savior uh, in that particular church in which he was pastoring. Uh, A powerful, powerful book, the book of Hebrews. But going back here to chapter 12 for a moment, we are to lay aside everything that incumbents everything that hinders us, the sin that entangles us, because we are to run with what? Endurance. We are to persevere through the race that is set before us. And I've mentioned this before. Every one of us, every person living, listening to this podcast, you have a different race before you than the race that God has given me. All of our lives have been laid out by God. Uh, where we live, who we marry, what we do uh, in life as far as careers and, and, and what we're a part of, even churches in, in particular places. That some people may be listening to this podcast from another country, and you maybe have been raised in a particular environment that I would never ever uh, really, other than reading about, I wouldn't be aware of, or I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. You're not experiencing what I'm experiencing. But we are to run the race that is set before us. And whatever that race may be, we are to run it with endurance. We are to persevere and get through. In other words, it gives us a picture that it's going to be difficult. And matter of fact, again, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see how difficult it really is. You'll begin to realize that, again, life in itself is not easy. It's challenging. And at times it could be very challenging. But here's the key. How do we persevere? Well, first of all, we do so through the encouragement and the instruction of Scripture. We we go back to that Romans chapter fifteen, that we we have perseverance as we learn, as we're instructed, and we gain knowledge and insight. We 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 persevere because we know that we must walk by faith and not by sight, because without faith it's impossible to please God. But through the Holy Scriptures, we have encouragement. We should be encouraged. We should be encouraged by looking at others who went before us. We should be encouraged by looking at our, uh, our lives and realizing, you know what? God is with me. My faith is in Him. My faith has been placed in Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to, to, to what lies ahead. And we've got to run the race to win the prize. We want to get to the finish line. And so how do we do it? Well, in verse 2, it tells us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. He is the one that we need to focus on. And where is he? Well, he's sitting right now uh, at the right hand of, uh, on the, the throne of God. He's on the right hand. He's in the place of authority. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But before we even get there in verse 2, it says that who for the joy set before him. In other words, the race that he ran that was set before him was the cross. 
was the suffering, was the pain, the agony, uh, paying that penalty uh, of sin for man. He was a man of sorrows, but the race that was set for before him was a very difficult one. But it tells us in verse 2 that for the joy set before him, the joy, see, because he realized that what he was going through, what he would experience, ultimately was going to bring glory and honor to God the Father. It was God's perfect plan. So I think to myself here, too, as we think about the race that is set before us, God has a plan. And that plan ultimately is to glorify him and to bring him glory and honor and praise. But there should be a joy within us. And I know sometimes it's very difficult. I've been there myself where we seem to lack the joy the joy of his salvation within us, because life can be so difficult. We face so many things, and things come up, and things happen that sometimes we never expect it to. And sometimes we get discouraged because we wonder, does God care? Does does God see this? Does he know what's going on? And yet we have forgotten that God in his sovereign plan has set this race before us, that he has a purpose. And that's what he did with his son who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. And listen to this. It goes on, and I would encourage you to continue to read chapter 12 of Hebrews, but the bottom line is his life was difficult. He endured hostility by sinners, people that hated him. And here he is, God, the God-man, stepping out of heaven, the son of the living God. And he comes and he, he demonstrates love, compassion, mercy. He feeds people. He heals people. But he calls men to repentance and to believe in the gospel message, to believe in himself, that he truly is the only way of salvation. And what did he receive? Hostility anger, hatred, the evil and the wickedness by evil men. But it was all a part of God's plan that was set before him. So once again, I want to stress this as we're looking at this, that again, as we read the Word of God, as we study the Word of God, we should be encouraged. Uh, The study of the Scriptures is is a, a, a really a very important thing because we learn We learn as we look at the life of Jesus. We learn as we look at the life of others. We begin to realize how important it is to be men and women of faith, to trust God and realize there's a race that's set before us. But what is at the end? See, this is really where this all boils down to. We need to look at the end, the bigger picture. Uh, I'm as guilty as anyone else And I am ashamed because this is the area where I believe it's an issue of faith. It's an issue of being saturated in the Word of God and reminding ourselves of what lies ahead. Realizing that at the end of the race, there is a prize. At the end of the race, there's something that is awaiting for us that is unbelievable. For Jesus, it was for him to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God, to be declared the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
to have run his race, to endure the cross, the shame, the ridicule, to step out of heaven, the glories uh, of heaven, and, and step into this world that was fallen, a world that he created. But ultimately, the plan of redemption, salvation for man, what he had to go through, but ultimately, we know that as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who sits upon that throne, that he is a king in a kingdom, a kingdom in which he rules, a kingdom that someday will be the only kingdom that will ever rule anywhere on the earth. So I look at this and I think to myself, so often we get caught up with everything that's here, we forget the bigger picture. Uh, we, we can't see the bigger picture because we focus too much on the now. Um, long time ago, I had somebody tell me this. They said, Marty, you know, I've learned that you can sometimes be too spiritually minded to be any earthly good. And I'll be honest with you, when I first heard that, I thought to myself, boy, there's wisdom. And then I began to realize that's not true biblical wisdom. That's wrong. Because we can't be too heavenly or spiritually minded. See, the problem is, is we're not. We don't take the time like we should in the Word of God. We're, we're not reading the stories and studying them carefully and to see these men and women and those who went before us, this great cloud of witnesses. We, we forget so easily of the life of Jesus, that he was a man of sorrows. He lived a life that was very, very difficult. But instead, we, we just we focus on now, we get caught up in the now, and we don't really focus on what we should be focusing. And then I'm reminded of Colossians chapter 3, and this is really kind of where the tables turned for me to realize what this gentleman said was wrong. It tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Think of those words, keep seeking. It's an ongoing, uh, you're seeking something that you, you need to continue to seek it until you get it. You keep seeking it. You don't do it here and there. You keep seeking it. It's, it's, again, ongoing. You are persevering in this world because your desire is to get to the end of the race, because you know what lies ahead. And it says here, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, you're seeking the kingdom. You're seeking the king himself who's in his kingdom. A kingdom that is never-ending. A kingdom that is ruled by one who is the lover of our soul. The one who has saved us, who's redeemed us, who has set us free. The one who has endured the cross, the ridicule, the shame, the suffering, all that he went through as a man of sorrows for, for our behalf, for those who would believe and put their faith and their trust in him. And it says in verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So once again here, we, we are to keep seeking things above, we are to set our mind on the things above, not the things here on earth. So, so again, I begin to realize that this is really where we come to realize the importance of being heavenly minded 
or spiritually minded and realizing that what is before us when we're running our race, that race is to be run in every day in such a way to win the prize because we know what lies ahead. We shouldn't give up. We shouldn't grow weary. Uh, you know, God is sitting on the throne. He He's not went anywhere. So no matter what happens in our life, no matter what takes place, our Lord, our Savior, our King Jesus is sitting on the throne. He's waiting for us to finish the race as he finished the race that was set before him. And it says here in verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. See, we have to look at the bigger picture. We have to look at what lies ahead. We have to realize that what is there before us is there because that is ultimately our goal. It is ultimately what we all should desire and long for. It is ultimately our hope. As a matter of fact, in Romans 15, 4, go back to our text, it says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Matter of fact, this podcast is going to be a series for the next few podcasts, because what I want to do is I want to deal with one word that has four letters, which I believe has the potential of changing lives and impacting our world. Matter of fact, I firmly believe it was the message of the prophets of the Old Testament, it was the message of Jesus himself. It was the message and the teaching of the apostles. It was those who were disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, his church. One word, four letters. They brought the world the gospel message of hope. And I believe, as we read in our text here today that we're studying, Ultimately, that is what the end result is, is that we would have hope. That we might have hope. Now, I believe if you truly are saved, you're born from above, if you have placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, you should have hope. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in other human beings. Our hope is not in the economy. It's not in the job market. Our hope is not in our bank accounts. Uh, our hope is not found in our health and our wealth, prosperity, whatever. Our hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And what I want to do over this next time period, these next few podcasts that will be coming up here on, on this new series called Study the Word, I want us to look at this one word with four letters, hope. See, because I believe that the gospel message truly is a message of hope. And I think we forget so often about that, that the world around us needs to hear the gospel. But what is the gospel? It is a message of hope. 
As I was studying the Word of God, I began to realize, like for instance in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. There you go. We have hope, and where is the hope? The hope is laid up for us in heaven. The end result, the end of our race, is not just a place, but as I mentioned already, it's a person who's in that place. It is the king who's in his kingdom. But in sharing the gospel message, obviously those at Colossae, as Paul was sharing the gospel with them, they had a hope, and their hope was laid up in heaven because they heard that in the word of truth, the gospel. And I really believe that in a world in which we live, that is what the world needs right now. They need hope. And I believe from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned against God, what they need was hope. I think of the same Colossians chapter 1, going down to verse 23. It says, If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all the creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Once again, the hope of the gospel, the gospel message of hope. I want you to think about this for a moment. In our very chaotic world that we live right now, what every human being needs is hope. We hear this word continually used by people. As a matter of fact, I've been amazed lately that I've heard this word hope used more often by the media than anybody else. Hope. But there's something that I realize every time I hear them use this word. This word hope is used from a worldly perspective or understanding, and it is not the true biblical meaning of hope. Let me give you, for instance, quickly here. To most people, hope is a wish of something to happen or come true. But biblical hope is a guarantee of a promise made by God who cannot lie. This is what has really been on my heart for months upon months. As I was truly just um, moved and stirred within me as I was thinking about things and putting together this new podcast, Study the Word, I found myself time and time again, everywhere I went, I'd hear people talking about hope. But again, when I heard them talking about hope, I'd realize the way that they're using that word hope is not in the biblical way. They were using it from their own. They, they hope that something, they hope for better days. They wish that better days would come about. They're not sure it's going to, but they're wishing. It's almost like wishing upon a star. But they really don't know what's going to happen. But as I studied God's Word, I began, to, I began to realize, listen, biblical hope is not the hope that the world has. They can't have biblical hope because only after hearing the gospel and truly believing the gospel, receiving the gospel, can you truly understand and have biblical hope. Because ultimately our hope is in a person who is in a place 
that is at the end of the race, that is set before us for those of us who are believers who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So so I, I think to myself, and I've already mentioned this today, but you look at the book of Hebrews, and remember chapter 11, the Hall of Faith? But listen to this, what it says in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, when we talk about biblical hope, we know that biblical hope is a guaranteed expectation that is presently unrealized or not yet experienced. See, we have not yet experienced fully, face-to-face, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our King. We have not yet fully experienced and come to a complete understanding of heaven, that place, the place where the kingdom of God is. But as Christians... We have a guarantee or a promise, once again, that's made by God who cannot lie. It's a guaranteed expectation. That is our hope. And our hope is that knowing, hey, God can't lie. So he has told us that he has promised us that we will be in a place someday, in a kingdom. There will be a king. We know who the king is. We know that in that place there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin, no more death. And yet we have not we can only imagine what that will be like. But someday we will truly experience that. And we believe that and we have faith and trust in that because we serve a God who cannot lie. So our hope is placed in his promises that come from one who cannot lie. So Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. So we believe by faith that we have believed in him, we have put our faith and trust in him, we're going to have eternal life. When we die and close our eyes in this world, we are going to immediately waken into another place, a place of promise, that place of hope. We are going to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible tells us also that God, in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, that God is a God of hope. And I love that. Every time I think about that, he's the God of hope. Because God is the one who has promised us. He is the one who guarantees. And our hope is in him. Our hope is in his son that he sent to rescue us and to save us, to redeem us. That's why it tells us in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There it is, folks. Joy and peace in believing. Our joy is because we have his salvation within us. Our joy is because we have believed that the God of hope, a God who cannot lie, has given us a promise. Matter of fact, I think about this, that 
you know, truly being born from above, that we are a new creature. The old has passed, the new has come. He has given us a deposit, a guarantee, and the Holy Spirit is within us once we have believed and put our faith and trust in Jesus. We have a joy that the world around us cannot understand. A joy that they can't get. They find it odd that in very difficult times, we are joyful people and the people who are at peace. We have a peace with God, but we also have the peace of God within us. And they don't get it. And they're like, what in the world? What, how can you be? How can you really be joyous at this time? Or how could there be a smile on your face? Or how, can, how are you getting through this? I mean, I'd be, some people have said, I've just, I would have jumped off the bridge by now. It's because the God of hope has filled us with joy and peace in believing. And how we continue to abound in hope, it says in verse 13, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is within us. The third person of the Godhead of the Trinity is within us. He resides within us. And we continue to abound in hope knowing that every day, as we continue to run the race that is set before us, we get closer and closer and closer to that hope being realized, that hope being revealed. See, hope is desperately needed in not just our present difficult situations of life, but ultimately in the future. And that one thing that no one likes to talk about, no one wants to face, and that is called death. And on their next podcast, here on Study the Word podcast, we'll go in-depth into that. But I, I want to, and I hope that I have today, through this teaching, have helped to encourage you and to remind you that we need to be men and women of the Word. We need to be truly looking at God's Word, studying God's Word, so that we can persevere, so that we can get through, so we can realize that, you know what, others who went before us, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, went through difficult times for the race that was set before Him, and that we would be encouraged by the Scripture, but ultimately that we would have hope, and that hope would be in a person. And his name is Jesus. That hope would be the picture of what lies ahead, a place of rest, a place of comfort, a place of peace, a place where there is no more sin, a place where God will wipe away every tear. I would encourage you to study Revelation chapter 21, where it talks about what is ahead, what John was able to see what lies ahead for all of us at the end of our race who are believers. And I hope and I pray that truly you will have the hope, the hope that comes from God, the God of hope, and that you will truly be a person who's filled with his joy and his peace. Look forward to the next Study the Word podcast. Until next time. May the Lord be with you. May he keep you. 
And remember, keep fixing your eyes upon Jesus. Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truth so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Dr. Marty Mento.